the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Always Right Radio. Live, ready to rock and roll on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. Nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, it's a Monday, the 10th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2022, and it is Columbus Day! A celebration of the greatest living explorer in the world of his time. One of the greatest of all time, at the time, literally the most... uh, extraordinary voyage, the most dangerous, the most fraught with, with, with peril in the history of humanity to that point. Obviously, before we went into space, one could argue it was the most ambitious voyage in the history uh, of any explorer uh, on the face of the planet, and it has resulted in the greatest country in the history of human civilization. And oh, by the way, on this Columbus Day, the left wants to once again cancel Christopher Columbus. They want you to call this Indigenous Peoples Day. And I want to tell them very directly to go to hell because that is, you're not going to do this. I am firmly in the camp 
of our friend Michael Knowles, who's a historian and an author and a writer and a host. He's with the Daily Wire, among other places. Michael Knowles has done just such a phenomenal job of defending the legacy of Christopher Columbus through the years. Um, it's just spectacular. And I've got, a, I've got a link to it right now. I've got it linked up to uh, my uh, webpage, alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. It's the PragerU video, five minutes of a defense of Christopher Columbus against the attacks that make him out to be a racist, genocidal, you know, homicidal maniac <clears throat> as they try to take his name off of schools and off of cities, like, you know, the capital of the state of Ohio, take down statues and so forth, all as a part of this presentism. Remember what presentism means? Judging things from eons ago, not eons literally, but but centuries ago by today's standards, as if the same standards that we have today should have applied to people who knew no better or knew knew anything uh, like this then. Presentism has led to the cancellation of so many extraordinary American heroes and world heroes, quite frankly, uh, over the course of uh, you know the the um, the woke era in which we live. That's pretty much what it all comes down to, the woke area. So there's a there's a video you can watch. I'm going to play a portion of it for you later, just not right now, <clears throat> of Michael Knowles' great piece for Prager University on Christopher Columbus. But if you uh, are so inclined, you can watch it and listen to it anytime just by going to alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. We've got one guest coming up in the program today. It'll be in a half an hour. At about 9.35-ish, we're going to talk to Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do almost every single Monday. He's going to talk to us about a whole host of things, including his call for an end to the FISA court and his call for an end to the FBI's ongoing harassment of pro-lifers. They're literally operating the Department of Justice as an, as a, an arm, if you will, of the Biden far-left woke pro-abortion campaign they're literally terrorizing people who are pro-life it's extraordinary it's it's like nothing we've ever seen before in this country and uh jim jordan is done with it he's opening up an investigation into it as a matter of fact and we're going to talk to him about that coming up among other things at 9 35 by the way we're also going to talk to him about the january 6 political prisoners because they're still not getting enough attention despite the fact that we're some 640 days in now to their detention. And we're not talking about the worst of the worst, because there were some people who did some things that were violent on that day, and those individuals should absolutely be held to account for their actions. Make no mistake about it. Now, they even they are still entitled to a speedy trial, one that they are being denied. But I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about the people who were peaceful. I'm talking about the people who walked in when the police pulled a rope, a velvet rope back almost, you know, kind of removed whatever barriers there were there and just let people walk in and told them on the way by, don't take anything, don't break anything. They essentially invited them in, and many of these people are still being held 640 days later in some deplorable, horrific conditions. So many, many people, Contact me on the air and off the air and ask me, what about the January 6th prisoners? What is Congress doing about it? And I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. Should be doing something. I mean, you know, admittedly, the Congress is the legislature, not the judiciary. 
So they can't exactly just go to the judges and say, you know, give these people their trial immediately or, or we'll do what? You know, they're separate but co-equal branches of government. They are separate. But something should be done. Some pressure should be brought to bear, and I don't know what that looks like. I'm going to ask Jim Jordan if he knows what that's supposed to look like and if there's anybody doing anything on that front. So that'll be one of the parts of the conversation that I have with Jim Jordan today. He is our only guest, which means guess what? Lots of opportunities for you to be heard. I'm not going to call it a free-for-all Monday, but this is going to be a very wide-open show. I have a lot of co- uh, ground to cover, a lot of topics I want to get into, and I welcome you. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers is just fine. Now, before we get into the news of the day, I would like to ask you as a patriot to rise. Stand where you are. Face your flag if you have one. Put your hand on your heart and join us as we say our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in killing babies as a form of birth control, then you don't understand what this flag represents, nor freedom, nor life. And therefore, you are exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to a flag you don't understand or agree with. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback, your favorite ex-WNBA basketball player now serving a nine-year sentence in Russia, and your favorite ex-soccer player who didn't make the Women's World Cup team anymore. Um, Go ahead and take a knee next to them while the rest of us stand and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 916 now. So you'll notice that um, I, I always try to do it, and it's always off the cuff, too. I never know what I'm going to say when I say, if you don't, whatever, whatever the top news story is. I usually just make that up on the spot. And I did it this time, too, uh, about the Pledge of Allegiance. And I try to tie it somehow to the top story of the day. This is going to be my top story. Even though I have like six top stories, I'm going to roll with this one. There was another women's march. Another women's march in support of the right to butcher babies right before they're born. No, 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 literally right before they're born. A right to murder babies at any point in gestation for any reason whatsoever, for no reason whatsoever, without explanation nor apology. And it's not just, you know, in the first trimester when it's a blob of cells as they like to say, or in the first, you know, first, uh, uh, or maybe in the second trimester, it's still not viable. It couldn't live outside the womb, you know, so it's still my body, my choice. They have gone from safe, legal, and rare to any time, any place, for any reason, with no apology. Here's an example. Katie Hobbs is running for governor of Arizona. She was on CBS's Face the Nation yesterday. Now, you know the left has made abortion and the overturning of Roe versus Wade pretty much their focal point in the midterms. The only, this is the way they think they're going to save their power, is by clinging to abortion and abortion rights, claiming that trying to save pre-born babies' lives is an affront to all women and we are losing our rights and so on and so forth. They think this is what's going to lead to a massive blue wave of voters crawling across the proverbial broken glass to fight for their own reproductive rights. Well, so Katie Hobbs, uh, running for governor in, uh, in Arizona, 
was asked, are there any limits at all, any restrictions uh, to, to your abortion stance? So if an Arizona voter were to conclude from your previous answer that you do not favor any specific weak limit on abortion, would they be correct? I support leaving the decision between a woman and her doctor and leaving politicians entirely out of it. So that's a yes. If a woman and her doctor, if a woman, if that, she could be in her ninth month, she could be on the table, the baby could be crowning on the way out. And if the mom says, I don't want it anymore, that doctor has to kill that baby on its way out of the womb. That's not a joke. That's not meant to be graphic. That's not meant to be disgusting. It it, it is those things, but it's not meant to be. It's reality. This is what their belief is. No weak number limit. Not 38 weeks, not 39 weeks, not 40 weeks. And if the baby survives a botched abortion, it can be post-birth aborted. Left to die on a tray without medical care. This is how radical they have become. This is exactly what they believe. I'll give you another example. Stacey Abrams, running for Georgia again, taking a second bite at the apple against Brian Kemp. She's getting smoked, according to the polls, but she again is counting on a rally based on killing preborn babies. Now, this is the same woman, if I can call her that, this is the same thing that previously declared that there's no such thing as a fetal heartbeat at six weeks. There's no heartbeat there. No, no, no. That was, what did she call it? She called it a manufactured sound created by the machine, the ultrasound machine that has been created basically to strip women of their rights. To make it sound like somebody's manufacturing a heartbeat sound so that the woman thinks that there's another life here, there's another body that is growing, that it has its own beating heart. Remember when she said that? Well, she more than doubled down. Now she took it further and said this. For you to become governor, where would you draw the line? 15 weeks, viability, 36 weeks, what's the limit? What I've always said is that abortion is a medical decision that should be made by a doctor and the woman, and that the point of viability as determined by a doctor should always take into consideration the life and health of a woman. That should be the standard. But the arbitrary standards of timelines ignore the medical reality that it is a fallacy we know exactly when a pregnancy starts. (laughs) It just keeps getting better, doesn't it? It's a fallacy that we know when pregnancy starts. They used to just say, we don't know when life begins. Pro-lifers believe it begins at conception. Uh, Pro-deathers do not. But now they're saying, not even conception, they're saying we don't know when a pregnancy starts. Never mind the fact that science tell us tells us a pregnancy starts when sperm meets egg. When sperm meets egg, pregnancy begins. And yes, it can indeed be determined. So they're so eager to stand by their position that women should be able to kill their babies on demand without apology at any time. They're literally saying we don't even know when a pregnancy begins. Now, so now there's no, you know, it's arbitrary to say that she's six weeks or seven weeks or ten weeks or whatever. Doctors, of course, who have been telling pregnant women for ever how far along they are, 
know exactly when pregnancies began, know exactly what week that they are in. No, 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 that doesn't count. Stacey Abrams says so. But I digress. Now let's go back to where I started this conversation, the Women's March. There was a Women's March for abortion rights in D.C. and in big cities all across the country on Saturday. And while I was combing through audio, trying to find a piece of audio I could play that wasn't filled with vile, hatred, and vitriolic profanity from the women marchers who were there, and they were just repugnant. Their hate and their anger and their violence is just palpable for anybody who suggests that a baby should have the right to live. I combed through the audio, and I found a whole bunch of it I could not use for those reasons. I found one clip that I could use, and I want to play it for you right now, and I want you to listen for the truth. I want you to listen to the reality. All of there, this is about women's health. All of it is about the, the, the health and the life of the mother and protecting women who have been raped and been impregnated by incest. All of this stuff that they argue about. And saying that's the reason they're pro-choice. That's the reason they want to have unlimited access to, to abortion. All of it was undone by this one marcher who told the truth. Listen. Having abor- First of all, by the way, that song was, yes, thank God for abortion. Thanking God for the ability to kill babies before they're born. But now here's the uh, marcher that I was referencing. Listen. Abortion banned means that we're basically getting our choices of our bodies taken away. And as a woman, that like speaks volume because now I have to be more careful when I have sex. Did you, uh, did you catch that? She's angry because now, if abortion rights are taken away, or what they perceived to be rights to murder their babies, they'll have to be more careful when they have sex. You know what that means? It means what we have said for a very long time. Many women, not all, they use abortion as a form of birth control. I go sleeping around get myself knocked up because I'm careless as hell and no big deal I'll just go have the baby terminated if I don't have the ability to go have the baby terminated to have the baby killed inside of me then I'm gonna have to think before I lay down with a man now I'm actually gonna have to prepare for that now I'm actually gonna have to not be completely irresponsible as I engage in an act that does indeed have the capacity to produce a child. A male and a female copulating can indeed produce a child. Now I actually have to think of that before I have sex. And I have to protect against that in some way, shape, or form. And I can't just use my chosen birth control, which is, oh, darn it, got knocked up again, let's go kill the baby. I mean, have you heard anything this gruesome? We're getting our choices of our bodies taken away. And as a woman, that like speaks volume because now I have to be more careful when I have sex. That is what we are fighting. 
They are fighting for the right to have loose sex, irresponsible, on demand, because then they can have abortions, irresponsible and on demand. It's 826. We'll take a time out now. We're going to take it to the news. And on the other side of the newscast, Congressman Jim Jordan joins us. We are packed, not with guests, but with tons of information for you this morning on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. the darkness of tyranny always right radio with bob france and the answer holding that line now less than a month away you care about liberty at all you care about holding that line you care about confronting tyranny you got less than a month to get this done early voting is underway uh we've got uh, the election now on uh, november 8th today is october 10th so we are less than 30 days and uh it could not be more crucial it could not be more important joining us now to talk more about the midterms and some of the issues that we face is our good friend congressman jim jordan ohio's fourth as well as the ranking member of the house judiciary committee congressman good morning morning bob how are you Doing well, thank you. Appreciate that. So I'm going to start with this uh, line. Republican Representatives Jim Jordan of Ohio and Mike Johnson of Louisiana are launching a congressional inquiry into the Justice Department's political enforcement of the FACE Act, which is the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances. What does all that mean, sir? Well, this is uh, the, the double standard that we so typically see now from the Justice Department. You know, we had hundreds, well, Dozens and dozens, I think total over 100 churches and crisis pregnancy centers attacked in the aftermath of the leaked opinion from the court. So in the spring and summer, this was happening all over the country. I mean, I read this whole list in a congressional hearing. It took me like seven minutes to read every single place that had been attacked. And basically nothing happens there. And then, of course, we had the, the, the this FACE Act, which says you can't block access to an abortion clinic and, and, and prohibit someone from, from entering and, and yet they're going after these these uh, the the pro life leader in Philadelphia. They twenty agents kicking his door, guns drawn, arrest him in front of his wife and seven children. Then you got the eleventh pro life activist in in Nashville who had the same thing happen to them. Um, so the, the, it's it's this the whole double standard, and where it seems like we we write one of these letters now every other day about some activity going on in the Justice Department. And you and I have talked a lot about this, but it's just. It's this political aspect to the Justice Department where uh, if they're if you're a conservative Republican, it seems like they're coming after you. If you're a Democrat, uh, you know, vandalizing and attacking a church or a crisis pregnancy center, nothing seems to happen to you. Help me understand this part of this, Congressman Jordan. Um, why are the feds involved at all, especially now that Roe versus Wade uh, is gone um, and it is literally up to state legislatures to decide what the abortion rights are or the abortion restrictions are in their states? Why would they be involved in anything having to do with uh, uh, blocking pregnancy centers or blo- blocking abortion clinics, for that matter? Wouldn't these be state issues now? Well, they'll argue that it's a federal statute. The base Act was passed by the Congress uh, you know, years ago. So they argue that's a federal statute, but but the fundamental point is the, the the double the double standard I pointed out. And in the case of the of the pro life activists outside of Philadelphia, remember the local police, local law enforcement had said there's no problem, nothing happened there. Uh, they, they, they investigated no charges that yeah they investigated said we're not going to press charges. So here comes in the powerful federal government, twenty agents, guns drawn, kicking in his door, 
like in front of his family. It's like it's it's crazy, and I think the country understands that. The country sees it, and it's why I keep saying I think I think that's going to be a key element when people go to vote now or in Ohio starting to vote uh, this week. Uh, in, in our election, which is uh, just as you said, twenty nine days away. The the left continues to think that this is the winner for them, though that that abortion is the winner. That's what's going to stop this red wave, et cetera. This is what's going to keep them in power. That they're so you know loud and vocal about women's health and women's rights and women's reproductive rights and so on and so forth. They think this is winner. As a matter of fact, Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor in Georgia again, um, she declared a few weeks ago. You probably remember this that uh, the fetal yeah. heartbeat that you can detect on an ultrasound yeah, isn't actually great. a heartbeat; it's a manufactured sound that was created just to make it sound like a heartbeat so they could take more rights away from women now the latest yeah. is she says now it's 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 confirmed that no one knows when pregnancy begins it's impossible to tell when pregnancy know. actually actually begins so now you don't it really can, know can. how many weeks it is therefore there should be no restriction or limitation on abortion at a certain period of a certain number of weeks yeah, yeah yeah confirming what we what we all know uh you're not allowed to tell the truth about them but they're allowed to lie about us and lie about the facts so, i mean it's just like that this is typical typical uh, Democrats, but they talk about this issue and they talk about January 6th, Bob, because they got nothing else to talk about. They can't talk about the border because we don't have one now. They can't talk about crime because it's at record levels. They can't talk about inflation because it's at a 41-year high, and and they can't talk about the price of energy because it's again at a, at a at a record high. So um, they got nothing else to talk about. So they talk about these two issues, and then what they try to do is intimidate us and chill the speech of of conservatives and Republicans and just common-sense Americans with all the way that the Justice Department has been weaponized to go after people. It's why it's why they did what they did to parents a year ago and continue to do who were showing up at school board meetings. They don't want you speaking out. They want everyone scared and quiet. But I know the American people. And it's just, I just think it's part of our DNA. It's part of a, you know what it means to America. Americans aren't scared, timid people. We're going to speak out no matter what the left says. And um, but they're going to talk about this. They're going to talk about the abortion issue. They're going to talk about January 6th because they got nothing else to talk about. No, they don't. And I, and I want to talk to you about January 6th in a moment, too, but a different side of it. Um, I want to talk about the political prisoners who are still being held. But let, let's stay on one of the issues that we do think is more important, uh, and, and that is everybody's lives every day. Our, our economy yep. continues to struggle. Uh, inflation continues to crush uh, uh, middle-class families. And energy. Uh, Joe Biden went to... Saudi Arabia, hat in hand, to say, hey, we don't want to drill for any more oil and, and refine and pump uh, and transport any more oil here in the United States because our green energy lobby won't let us do it, our base. So will you please pump out more? Well, here we are about a month after that trip, and uh, OPEC has said, yeah, we're going to decrease uh, production by two, uh, two million barrels a day. Yep. And so, yep. so Joe Biden's response to that is what? It's, it's, it's A or B. It's A, let's maximize all of American energy resources and ramp up production like we've never done it before to help protect the American people. Or let's go to, hat in hand to a dictator in Venezuela, yeah. lift sanctions on that country to get Chevron to produce more so that we don't have to do it ourselves. Yeah. Which one did he and choose? Of course, yeah, of course, Joe Biden always pick, makes the wrong decision uh, uh, and, and picks the wrong thing. And again, it just underscores what we had 21 months ago under the leadership of President Trump and what we have today. We had energy independence. We had a thriving energy independent country here where we're producing it right here in, in, in America. Um, and now we have, as you pointed out, Joe Biden begging OPEC, begging Iran, begging Venezuela, begging Saudi Arabia, begging anyone and everyone instead of doing the common sense right thing. Um, 
But this is this is how beholden he is to the left and how the left has a grip on that party. Um, it's really scary. I, I was giving a speech this, this past week, and I said to the group, I said there was a recent survey where 55% of people who identify as Democrats do not think America is the greatest country in the world. Now, stop and think about that, Bob. You and I know America is the greatest country ever. Your listeners know it's the greatest nation ever. Not perfect, but the greatest. And yet more than half of a, one of the major political parties, the people who make up that party, don't believe that. That's the problem. And so they, they're, they're fine with record levels of crime, it seems to me. They're fine with, with not having a border. They don't, cause they, they don't believe the same things that you and I believe. They don't believe in those principles and values that make our country special. So uh, that, that is what's frightening to me is that they're actually now a party controlled by the left who thinks, oh, we can, we can go work with these dictators, and that's better than producing energy right here and helping American and American business. I don't understand it, but I think the American people, uh, the vast majority do, and they're going to show up on Election Day. I got to do an argument online with a Democrat who declared uh, they don't like the fact that Republicans wave flags, that we have flags on our trucks. We have flags, uh, you know, and the word patriot is almost exclusively reserved for Republicans now. He said, this country is just as much mine as it is yours. And I said, then why don't you act like it? Because what you just said is yeah. is accurate, Congressman Jordan. You just said it. They don't believe this country is great. They don't believe this country is the greatest force for good in the history of civilization. They, they believe this country is irredeemably racist, founded in racism and oppression and hatred, and it's still that way. Well, how are you, how you going to claim patriotism? How are you going to say you love the flag when this is the way you feel about our country? Yeah, and this is why they want to tear down every statue of Lincoln and Jefferson and Adams and Washington. This is... This is why they don't want to have a border because they say, oh, no, we're global citizens. Well, look, I understand we have an obligation to, to, to you know, take care of our environment and our, and, our, and our planet, but we're American citizens, by goodness, I mean, for goodness sake. So that's the part that I think just bothers these, these hard lefties who unfortunately now control one of the major political parties in this country. And, it's, and that's what we're up against. And that's why it's really tough to work with the left. You have to stop them because where they want to take the country, I think, is a, is a very scary place. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan. I want to talk about defending this country. The U.S. Army has missed its annual recruiting recruiting goal now by 25%. That's an extraordinary miss. Are we prepared, in your opinion, Congressman, and capable of defending this country? You know, Biden is constantly rattling his saber and saying, if Taiwan is invaded by China, we will defend China. And he didn't mean just diplomatically, because he was asked very specifically. He's talking about how we will go nose to nose with the Chinese, if that's what it takes, to defend Taiwan. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it puts us in a precarious position, potentially. And then he also is declaring that we're on the, on the, on the brink of Armageddon in a nuclear showdown with Russia. So my question to you is, from a military standpoint, as we continue to miss military recruiting goals, as we continue to see wokeism dividing uh, military personnel, unit cohesion is out the window. Are we prepared, if need be, to defend this country? Well, I'll tell you this, Bob. Uh, you know who has met his goal is, is Dr. Fauci's uh, 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 stock report, Dr. Fauci's royalties report. You see all the money he made during during the, the the COVID virus, so he's met his has met his goal. But meanwhile, because of that vaccine mandate and because of all the woke stuff that you mentioned that's going on in our military, we're not meeting our recruiting goal. So yes, that is a big concern, particularly in light of a commander in chief who's saying the things that he is saying. Um, sometimes I think like you know it's the old you should you should uh, uh, talk softly and carry a bigger stick, as, as one of our former presidents said. And frankly, that's the way I think um, uh, real leadership 
in the in the Oval Office is supposed to work. So right now what we see is weakness from the Oval Office. You see a lot of big statements from President Biden. But then we have this, this failure to meet the recruiting goals and, and, and numbers that we're supposed to meet to, that has to have an impact on readiness. Um, so I'm very concerned about it. But it's all driven by that. So much of it's driven by that crazy policy that says we're going to kick good men and women out of the military who, who chose for whatever reason not to get the vaccine. Every single one of them should be allowed back in our military and, frankly, should, be get, should, should receive back pay. Absolutely right. You know, we highlighted that last week, of course, when Biden called a Coast Guardsman who saved a whole bunch of people's lives oh, in the yes. uh, aftermath oh, of, yes. uh, of the hurricane. And, uh, you know, by the way, that person's fired in 30 days because he's uh, not taking And Fauci got a million dollars in royalties <laughs> over the last couple of years. Um, that, that is something we have to get to the bottom of because this guy, this is the guy who has never put his name on a ballot, never elected to anything, but ran our lives for the past two years. And it is wrong. That is not a way our constitutional system works. But this gets back to the previous question. The left likes that. The left doesn't want the elected officials making decisions because that would actually empower we, the people. The left wants the, the, the elite bureaucrats, who, the scientists, and the people who are supposedly so much smarter than us regular folks. Well, that's not how our constitutional system works, and that's what we got to be. That's what we got to put a stop to. Uh, well, and then Fauci is the, the, the biggest example of that. Since since you hit Fauci, let me follow up with something I wasn't going to ask you about. By the way, Fauci, for those who do not know, his personal net worth went from $7 million to $12 million just over the last two years. Since COVID hit and everything went down because of his orders, he has increased his net worth by $5 million. Now, I don't know how in the heck that happens. He's already the highest paid federal employee in the, in the country, literally makes more, about $100 thousand dollars more per year than the president and his his net worth went up by five million dollars meaning who is paying him besides the federal government and bob contrast that with what's happened to most americans when they look at their 401k oh it's yeah going down the last couple of years so uh, such a deal for we the people we the taxpayers the guy we're paying who by the way is the highest paid guy in the federal government making 400 some grand a year his 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 401k so to speak is climbing like crazy, but not yep. us folks pay his salary. That 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 just adds more insult to the injury. I, uh, I, I've i got an IRA, and I'm never going to be able to retire. I am losing so much money every single day, and I look at that stock report, and I realize what's happening, and I'm like millions and millions of other Americans, middle-class Americans who are, who are watching their retirement savings go down to nothing. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's incredible. Now, now the last thing on this, like I said, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you brought up Fauci and the whole pandemic, um, any thoughts on Dr. Joseph Ladapo, who is the Surgeon General of the state of Florida, who came out here with a huge warning on Friday, a warning for men aged 18 to 39. By the way, isn't that about what most of the American military are, men 18 to 39? Yep. That's probably yep. the overwhelming number of them. He, he said eight men 18 to 39 should not take the mRNA vaccines, that means the Pfizer and the Moderna, because there is an 84% higher incident of cardiac death in 18 to 39-year-old men within 28 days of taking one of those shots. Now, this is the Florida Surgeon General, Congressman. This isn't yep. some opinion-making talk show host like me. This is the Surgeon General of Florida. Twitter banned him and deleted yep. his tweet. How dare you go and say something negative about these shots? Now, they did relent yep. and, and put it back up today, but your thoughts on the immediate cancellation, they say follow the science. Well, here's a scientist who's got tons of data to back <laughs> him up, and they, and they shut him up. Because all those MDs, all those doctors at Twitter know better than the Surgeon General yeah. of the state of Florida, one of our largest states, 
a state that people are flocking to because they actually embrace freedom there. <laughs> I mean, you, at some point you got to just laugh because it's so ridiculous. But imagine this. Imagine if Nina Jankowicz, you just made me think of this name, the head of the government disinformation, disinformation governance board, whatever the name of that thing was. Imagine if that was actually in place, which remember they tried it just a few months ago. That, that they would they would step in and say, oh, no, no, Twitter, you can't let it back on. So this is this is the frightening place that the left wants to go. And the only thing standing between them and uh, uh, getting there is we, the people, on Election Day in 29 days saying something. No, we are going to go. We're going to go vote for people who aren't going to give us record inflation, no border, record energy prices and record crime and who attack our freedoms. We're going to vote for people who, who are going to do the right thing and fight for the things that we care about. That, that's what this is all about. So, yeah, imagine if they get their way that this this that Twitter would have kept it off because the disinformation governance board would have told Twitter to keep it off. That is a scary, scary place, authoritarian place that the hard left who now controls one of the major political parties where they want to take us. And that's what's at stake on Election Day, now just 29 days away. We could do a whole other segment on just this, but I'm going to have to cut that short there so I can ask you my final question. Listeners have been begging me to ask you about this, uh, and that is January 6th. You brought it up a moment ago. Yeah. The January 6th political prisoners are still being held. We are now on day number 640, I think it is, 640 days. No due process, no speedy trial. Uh, So many of them have been held for this long, and everybody says, Bob, is Congress going to do something here? Can Congress do anything here? And my answer is usually, you know, the Congress is the legislature. The judiciary handles the, you know, the criminal stuff. Yep. I mean, I don't know if there's anything. They, they're, they're equal, but they're separate uh, powers. I don't know if there is anything they can do other than maybe put some public pressure on. So I have to ask you, yeah, can you or anyone else do anything for these people who are being denied their, their constitutional rights to a speedy and fair trial? Well, we're trying to but look, it's, it's, a, it's a sad situation. Um, and all we really can do is what we're doing now, talk about it um, and, and, and put pr- try to put pressure, not really pressure, but try to just bring to light what the DOJ is up to. And that's why we I mean, I talk about it every single day. The 14 whistleblowers, what they're you know, the, the letter we started off with today uh, pointing out, why are you treating these pro-life, uh, these pro-life activists this way, and, and the folks who protest in front of Supreme Court justice homes and attack churches and crisis pregnancy centers in a different way. So we, we continue to highlight that, but in the minority, we can't, we can't call people in and do the things we need to do as far as further highlighting it. So we do as much as we can. Um, and, and, you know, I, I look, I, I hear from people. It's, and I've heard from family members and it's, it's, it's sad because they talk about what's happening to someone in their family who's been held. Now, the one good thing that happened a few months back is there was one of the federal judges held the warden in contempt for the conditions they were holding some of these individuals in right. in the D.C. area jail. So there's there's been some help, but not near enough um, uh, for now. Again, look, people who did wrong, you and I have been clear about this. They should be they should be prosecuted. But we're also entitled to a speedy trial. You're entitled to uh, the, the right kind of conditions to hold people in, and you compare it to what's happening to other folks. Um, that that's the problem. So, well, and, and how, how about how about bail? Can. How about letting these people out and go to their homes while they await whatever trial it is going to happen? Congressman, you and I talked about this. A guy in North, a 41 year old named Shannon Brandt in North Dakota, two weeks yep. ago, ran over an 18 year old because he oh. was a Republican. He is out on yeah. bond. 
A man who is yep. charged with murder is now out on bond, and this is happening all over the country. These people are charged with trespassing. The overwhelming majority of them who did not do anything violent, steal anything, they just walked in, took some selfies, and left. They're charged with trespassing in the Capitol, and they're being held for two years without bond. That's what I don't understand, yeah. and that's why that's what the well, American people want to say, do something. Here's 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 what the the the, the, the federal law doesn't you don't you're not required to give bail, uh, but what it does is it underscores just how political it is because they still should be released on and you know because as you point out most of them are being held for trespassing so for goodness sake don't hold them they're held they're they're being held for trespassing but that is the political nature and it's why we continue to highlight this every single day what's going on in our justice department how political. They have become and going after their their political opponents. And that is, again, we've said it so many times, but it, that is not how our system is supposed to work. It's supposed to be equal treatment under the law. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's not happening. It's just like you said earlier with the pro-life people versus the pro-death people. You know, there's one standard for each side, depending on, on uh, what yep. the Department of Justice wants to do. And, this, and in this case, they do not want to do anything but harm and scare more and more conservative Republicans by saying, look what we will do to you if you cross us. And that's what they're doing to these prisoners. Congressman Bob, Jordan. The sad yeah. thing, yeah. No, I was just going to say the sad thing is, you know, I, I, how many business guys do you talk to say, well, I'm a little reluctant to have my name on a campaign finance report, you know, giving money to this Republican and, 90, you know, 87,000 IRS. It's like that's their goal, and it has to be stopped or it will have a chilling impact on First Amendment free speech rights in this country. Yeah, well, it is effective. There's no doubt. That is their goal, and it works, so they're going to continue to do it. Congressman Jordan, I know we hit you with a lot today. Thank you so much for your thoughtfulness. I appreciate it. You bet. It. Thank you. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 957. Hey, I want to talk. We talked about inflation a few minutes ago. I want to talk about your heating bills. You know they're going to go up 50 to 200% this winter, according to the experts. But I've got something that's going to help you out. It's a powerful new heating technology that's used by the Eden Pure uh, Gen 40 heater. Now, I told you about Eden Pure and the fantastic um, air uh, um uh, conditioners and uh, purifiers, rather, and I love what they did for the odors and the smells in my home. Now, as winter comes in, you don't want to crank up the furnace because it's going to absolutely destroy. You can heat your room, room by your home, room by room with the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater. It's helping thousands of people save tons of money on their heating bills already, and you can join that crowd at Eden Pure. This advanced heating engineering team has combined uh, infrared heating and a convective heating system into one space heater. And you should see it. First of all, it just looks cool. Second of all, it's small enough to sit on a tabletop if you want, or if you want, you could pop it on the floor as well. But the two technologies together heat your home better than your current furnace or boiler or baseboard heat and other space heaters. By using two forms of heating technology in one to heat a room, the Gen 40 heater makes you feel warmer and reduces your heating bills. Don't wait for the cold weather. Get your Eden Pure Gen 40 heater in the house right now. And right now, you'll get an additional $50 off the Gen 40 sale price with the discount code BOB50. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. You might want to write that down. EdenPureDeals.com. Eden is just like the Garden of Eden, E-D-E-N. EdenPureDeals.com. Enter the discount code BOB50. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the discount code BOB50. And yes, shipping is free. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. 
to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Seven minutes after 10 o'clock, and hour number two is underway on this Monday, the 10th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord 2022. And once again, I remind you that it is Columbus Day! My uh, friend uh, Karam, otherwise known as Keanu, he's uh, the owner of the Floor King, one of my sponsors, one of my good friends, somebody I've uh, been in business with together now for about 13 years. He sent me something when he heard me open the show today with the Columbus Day uh, tribute and talked about how I want to celebrate Columbus Day, and some people decided that, no, they don't like Columbus Day. They want to call it Indigenous People's Day. And he sent me a link to an Indeed.com page um, of 2022 federal holidays. And it talks about how people look, you know, there's one of the things you can ask for in terms of your benefit package if you're getting a job and these kind of things. That's what it was. What is a federal holiday? And then right here it says... Federal holidays are paid days off for federal government workers. There are 11 federal holidays as legislated by U.S. Code, blah, blah, blah. In the list, New Year's Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, President's Day, Memorial Day, Juneteenth, which is a comedy, um, Independence Day, which is the real one, um, Labor Day, which we just had, and the next one listed is Indigenous Peoples Day. That's the headliner. Indigenous Peoples Day, and then in parentheses it says, also observed as Columbus Day. Second Monday in October. Then Veterans Day, Thanksgiving Day, and Christmas Day. They have literally bumped Columbus Day to the side in favor of Indigenous Peoples Day, rather than celebrating Columbus Day as we always have, and then noting that recently, wokesters have decided to, uh, they don't like Christopher Columbus because of presentism, and they just want to demean the phenomenal things that he has done for this world by taking the most extraordinary voyage in history up to that date uh, and leading to the eventual settlement and development of the greatest force for the, in the history of the United States, or, or excuse me, in the history of the world, the greatest force for good in the, in the history of the world, which is the United States. And so it's, just, it, it's astounding to me that people can still do this, but they are. And one person who has had enough of it is Michael Knowles, historian, podcast host, uh, author. He's tremendous, and he did a video in defense of Christopher Columbus for Prager University. Last year, I think, was the first year I played it for you, live on the radio, because you know how Prager videos are. Prager videos are about five minutes long. That's what's so great about them. They're, they're, you know what I mean? They're easily consumable. It's not like here, sit down and put your feet up and listen for an hour. Um, and it's also not a sound bite in 30 seconds. It's perfectly digestible information, five minutes at a time. That's why PragerU, I believe, is the greatest thing on the Internet. I really, really do. I've told Dennis that. Um, and, and I told him that long before I started hosting his show uh, as a guest host. So it's not a kiss-up thing, it's a believer thing. Because, I mean, it, they make it so... First of all, it's packed with information, but then it's animated, so it's moderately entertaining as well. And thus, it's kind of uh, appealing to younger generations who need to learn a little bit more about what's going on through the tremendous narrators and writers at uh, PragerU. 
So I did this for you last year, and I'm going to do it again now in case you missed it. If anybody today says to you, Happy Indigenous Peoples Day, if anybody says to you, we don't celebrate Columbus Day, and they say to you, Columbus was a murderer and a slave trader and all kinds of other things, I want you to be armed with the responding message. And I'm about to arm you right now by way of Michael Knowles on Prager University. Please listen. He ventured where no other man of his age dared to go. He saw things no other man of his age had ever seen. He discovered a new world. For centuries, he was universally admired as a hero. Now, he's widely considered to be a despoiler of paradise, an enslaver, and a genocidal maniac. I'm talking, of course, about Christopher Columbus. So which is true? Is he a hero or a villain? The truth is complicated, as the truth often is, especially when you have to go back 500 years to find him. But let's try to get as close as we can. Columbus was born in 1451 in the port city of Genoa, Italy. At a time when birth often determined destiny, his origins were entirely unremarkable. His father was a middle-class wool weaver who expected his son to follow the same path. But Columbus had different plans. The age of discovery was dawning. The future belonged to the bold, and the bold went to sea. By the time he turned 30, Columbus had sailed to Iceland, Ireland, and Africa. Somewhere on his many voyages, he became obsessed with the idea that there was a westward sea route from Europe to India. But there were no maps to consult, only wild rumors of sea monsters and endless ocean. He put together the 15th century version of a PowerPoint presentation for the King of Portugal, then the world's leading sea power. But the king, heeding the advice of his experts, turned him down. It simply couldn't be done, the experts told the king. It was pure speculation, and an expensive one at that. So Columbus took his plans to Spain. But King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella weren't interested either, at least not at first. Columbus persevered. After eight years, they finally relented. They gave the explorer three small ships, There was a time when every school kid knew their names, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, and the year in which Columbus set sail, 1492. Except for a compass and the stars, Columbus had virtually no navigation tools at his disposal. He was, to mix metaphors, flying blind. He was heading west. That's about all he knew. Once the ships left the Canary Islands, they were on their own. His crews stayed loyal for the first week, But by the third week, they had lost their nerve. Columbus, however, never lost his. By sheer force of will, he kept his men in line. Finally, after ten long weeks at sea, on the night of October 11th, Columbus spotted land. He called it San Salvador. Today, we know it as the Bahamas. There, Columbus and his men encountered the Taino tribe. The first encounter between Europe and the Americas went well. The Taino were curious and helpful. Columbus was emphatic that his crew treat them with kindness and respect. Lest you think that Columbus stumbled on the Garden of Eden, the islands were also inhabited by the Caribs, a tribe of cannibals for whom, according to Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Samuel Eliot Morrison, babies were a delicacy, or in Morrison's words, a toothsome morsel. Like every place else on Earth, in every time in history, the local peoples were a mixed bag. Some good, some not so good. Upon his return to Spain, word of the Italian explorer's successful voyage quickly spread throughout Europe. A new world had been discovered, 
and the old world would never be the same. Columbus was a man meant for the sea. On land, he was easily outmaneuvered and betrayed by professional politicians and bureaucrats. It is on their dubious, self-serving accounts that modern attacks on Columbus's reputation are based. In his own day, these attacks made the explorer's life a misery. Columbus was not blameless. He sold natives into slavery. But the explorer did not invent slavery, which was common around the world long before and long after Columbus's time. As for the charge of genocide, there was no genocide. There were atrocities, most occurring after Columbus was dead and gone. There was also widespread intermarriage between the Spaniards and the natives, which eventually led to the people we now call Hispanic or Latino. It's unfair to focus only on Columbus's sins. It's also unfair to judge someone who lived 500 years ago by today's standards. His own assessment of his actions is much more revealing. Let those who are fond of blaming and finding fault, while they sit safely at home, ask, Why did you not do thus and so? Well, there's a reason why Columbus has so long been celebrated, why so many statues, schools, towns, cities, a national holiday, an Ivy League university, and even a country bear his name. It's this simple fact. When we celebrate Columbus, we celebrate the arrival of Western civilization to the Western Hemisphere. And if you can't celebrate that, it says much more about your moral compass than about history's greatest explorer. I'm Michael Knowles, host of The Michael Knowles Show for Prager University. And there it is. The gravity of that that journey, rather, that that exploration, that that uh, that that trial of the sea, cannot be overstated. Uh, the, the difficulty, the 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 ambition, um, and most importantly, the outcome. The outcome is what is the most important thing here. Now, is that to say the end justifies the means? Not in all cases, but in this case, the end has resulted in so much extraordinary good um, that, yes, some of the less appetizing elements of the means um, can can almost be justified. And if not justified, understood and excused as not more important than the good. It's kind of the same thing with our founding fathers. At the time of our founding fathers, yes, there were slaves in the colonies. And yes, the African slave trade was in full bloom. No, it wasn't invented by the colonials. It wasn't invented by the Brits. Uh, and it wasn't specific to uh, darker-skinned Africans. And in fact, Africans owned African slaves. It was the way of the world at the time. Now, does that mean it's okay for some of the founding fathers to have owned slaves? No, of course not. Does it mean we have to understand it in the context of the era? Yes, it does. And does it mean that we can eliminate or erase or or not celebrate the greatness that resulted from their own work and their own courage and their own brilliance in writing the Constitution, first the Declaration, then the Constitution, and creating what, again, has become just an extraordinary uh, part, if not the centerpiece, of all human history to date. If not the centerpiece, that's what the United States, the United States civilization has become. For people of all colors and all ethnicities, it is the greatest place on earth. And it wouldn't be here had it not been for those individuals. And it would not be here had it not been for Christopher Columbus. 
So for people who, you know, are going to be hit by the Indigenous Peoples Day nonsense today and how dare you celebrate Columbus Day, we celebrate Columbus Day because if not for Columbus, we're not here. The greatness of this nation is never realized. It's never known. It doesn't exist. And all of the dictators and all of the tyrants and all of the despots of the world would have been running rampant all over innocent people from one corner of the globe to the next. But this country has been the force for good that stopped those tyrants, those dictators, those those despots. This country has provided peace and safety and security around the world and welcomed people here who were seeking peace, safety, and security and freedom. And that's exactly why we celebrate Columbus Day. So I hope you take that information with you. I don't often uh, you know, try to preach here or allow Michael Knowles, in this case, to preach, but sometimes it's that important. And the idea that they want to do away with Columbus Day altogether, the way they have with statues, they've taken his name off of some schools. And there is a call for, by some to change the name of the capital of the state of Ohio. They want to take the name Columbus off of the, state of the, the capital city. And change it to something else. These people are lunatics. These people guilty of presentism are absolutely lunatics. And they are people uh, against whom we must push back. Okay, uh, that's it for the lecture. That's it for the history lesson there. I hope it was uh, of value to you. We'll take a time out here. We'll go to the phone calls. 216-901-0945. We are guest free the rest of the way. So if you wanted to get in, this is a chance to do so. We've got a lot more to talk about, but I'll take your calls, and you can decide where the conversation goes as we continue on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty-five. now, we continue Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. By the way, people who want to see that video for themselves, the one that I just played for you from PragerU, it is uh, posted right now at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Check it out for yourself. Share it with everybody that you can. Uh, we're going to we're gonna go to uh, Chuck in North Ridgeville. Hi, Chuck. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Happy Columbus Day. Amen to that, sir. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, you know who the Caribbean Sea is named after? Who? It's the Caribs. They were, oh uh, right, right, yeah, yeah. The Caribs that were on that uh, uh, on, in the West Indies, and you're right, they were the uh, they were the cannibals. Yes, they were a particularly nasty group. They would they would uh, uh, enslave the women, use them as comfort women, a term used by the Japanese for the Koreans in World War II. And if you were competent to be a slave, they kept you around. But if you weren't, like uh, youngsters and babies, ah, they just ate you. So they had a solution to that. That's exactly too. right, and it's so yes, important that people know that because so many people want to think that these were, the, the, you know, the, the the islands were inhabited just by innocent people, and and uh, Columbus no, came no, no, there no. and immediately killed them all or enslaved them and so forth. And it was already an absolutely, you know, well, I think uh, Michael Knowles put it best. It was a complicated situation. There were some good people there, but there were some dangerous, dangerous, deadly people that the uh, explorers had to deal with as well. Well, people is people everywhere. Anyway, what I called about, uh, I'm with a very fine quality organization, of which you know, uh, Lorain County Totally Engaged American. Of course. And we have been uh, collecting donations to send cards and letters and books and anything we can uh, to the people being illegally held in the gulag. 
Okay. Now, I was, I was, uh, uh, you know, hoping that maybe you could get in touch with the, our director of style. You know her, Kirsten? Sure, of course. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, she has a list of all the people we have, and there is one person that is in charge. You know, I don't want to give out any information, you know, over the radio. Uh, but uh, I would say get a hold of them because we have a whole list of stuff that we could, uh, you know, show you. Now, I was down on uh, January 6th. I was one of the bus monitors. Uh, well, we had seven buses go down there. And as far as I know, none of our people have been contacted by the Federal Bureau of Insurrection. Uh, but, you know, you just never know that, you know, they can have that, you know, knock at the door and boom. They, they're the knocking door. on the door of people who weren't there, who did not exactly. go. But it was just there was a rumor that they were there. Yes, exactly. So, but I don't know of any, and, and, and nobody's come down, and I, I filmed the whole thing, okay? So it's... Uh, uh, it's 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 just something we're doing, and you know we want to get more people involved in this to just inundate all those uh, uh, Nazis at the Gulag, you know, with just cards and letters and everything else. And we have gotten responses back from some of those folks being held. Good, good. So yes, and uh, uh, I would encourage you to get a hold of Kirsten. And well, I will. I will absolutely do that, and she's terrific. As are all of you folks at uh, Totally Engaged Americans. I love what you guys do. Obviously, I've been very happy to speak with your with your group before. So I'm glad people are speaking out about this and are not allowing these people to be forgotten because I, that's what the that's what the government wants. They want you either to forget about these people and let them rot, or if you do remember them, they want you to know what kind of misery they're in because they want to threat. That you know, it's fear mongering. Don't cross us, or this is what awaits you. Oh yeah, it's forget totally about doing process forget about yeah forget about your rights this is you know this is their thing and sadly too many people are just like going on about their day hey we got midterm elections coming up and and i'm all about that too obviously but we have to remember what is being done to america i won't say all innocent because some of them are not innocent some of them did bad things when they were at the capitol and i've always said i want them to be held accountable for that but i want them to be held accountable by law and the law does not say you can keep them for two solid years in solitary confinement or in any kind of confinement without opportunity for bail while they await their their supposed speedy trial and that's right they won't even allow like uh, doctors and lawyers in there you know to talk to these people no It's, it's Oh, it's outrageous. And we're, and we're getting information. You know, the information we're getting about that is firsthand. It's from those who have gotten through, because there's been about 160 or so who have been processed through and who have been released and sentenced and, and, and have their trials and whatnot. But they're the ones telling us what is in there, what is still in there that they left behind. They know because they were there firsthand, and that's, uh, that matters. Thank you, Chuck. I got to hit it. It's news time now. It's 1030. you reason in the age of unreason always right radio with bob france and the answer 1036 always right radio continues on this monday phone lines are wide open for you the rest of the show 216-901-0945 let's get you up and on the radio whatever it is that you want to talk about i talked about uh, a number of things with jim jordan earlier on if you want to follow up on any of those i'm terrified about our uh, U.S. military. And that's not to disparage those who have enlisted and are working hard and trying to... But what's being done to the military by the military leaders and what is being done to kick so many of them out with the ongoing indefensible um, COVID jab mandate is just... It, it's impossible. I'm ter- I am said to Jim Jordan. Actually, I asked Jim Jordan, but my own answer is no. 
Uh, I said, are we ready if we end up having to come, you know, face to face with a, with another mighty military, particularly like the Chinese over something like Taiwan? Since Biden is constantly, I think on at least three occasions in the last year, when asked if the U.S. would protect Taiwan if it's invaded by China, and he said yes. And he didn't say meaning diplomatically or through, you know, peace talks. He said we would protect Taiwan. That makes it sound like it's, you know, a military confrontation. And uh, I, I'm terrified the word we would not be ready for. I think if we got into a war with a very, very tough world power right now, we would lose. And I don't know what it would mean for our country. But that's how weak our military has become because of the woke leadership and the COVID mandates, which has just thousands and thousands of them being booted from their uh, uh, from their units. It's just crazy. Okay, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Let's go to Sally in Berea. Sally, good morning. Hi, Bob. Happy Columbus Day. Yes, and that's I'm right. Also and you terrified. Too. I'm also terrified with the military, too, because I think that with all the training and all those people that they left go, they should let them back and, and as you mentioned, give them back pay. I don't know how many will come back, but I think we're in, in big trouble if we don't do things to rectify the um, shortage of of our soldiers and, and the lack of appreciation. And also regarding Columbus Day, I was so happy that you played, that you um, talked about that video from mm-hmm. Michael Knowles because even though I knew a lot of the facts separately, he put it together so well and, and just made the whole thing um, make sense in, in perspective. And I I really thought it was very brilliant, and I thank you for um, for airing that. Absolutely. Um, I have not only seen the um, uh, the the uh, uh, PragerU video that Michael put together. Um, I also uh, have seen on on a number of occasions videos of uh, Michael being challenged by students during speeches that he gives. Because Michael is like you know Ben Shapiro and and Charlie Kirk and others. He likes to go to colleges and and take on the you know the social justice warriors that are being indoctrinated and try to open their eyes to the reality of what's going on. So he takes these questions and he gets routinely gets questioned about Columbus and they accuse Columbus of this that or the other thing. And he, you know, dresses them down and, 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 you know, and, and, and chats them up, uh, kind of at the same time. And he is always so on, spot on and brilliant about every single, uh, allegation that's made against Columbus. He has the response for, he has the retort for. And that's what history is supposed to be. History is supposed to be, uh, accurate and not changed by presentism, which is that, you know, that new ism that is just so deadly is judging everything in American history or world history by today's standards, in which, of course, it's a very different world. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, we need to, to stick to the facts in history, and some of them are good and some of them are bad, and our country isn't perfect. But I sure wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And and we're made up of human beings, and no human being is perfect. But we we try, and we do a great job, and we need to do better with the uh, prisoners in the Washington Gulag. You better believe it. Yeah, you better believe it. That's so incredibly important, because there, but for the grace of God, go I. I mean, uh, I wonder how many, and thank you for the call, uh, as always, Sally. I wonder how many people who went to D.C. that day who were 
about to follow the crowd into the Capitol because it was, you know, not we're not talking about the people who, who broke down doors or, or tried to climb through windows. We're talking about the people who saw the police officers, and there's video of this, at different entrances to the Capitol, remove the barriers, you know, the bike racks or whatever they had in the way, and essentially open them up and open the doors and hold the door for people and say, go on, please don't break anything, don't do anything crazy. And people are like, oh, okay, we can go in, and they went in. And so many of them just, you know, they took pictures, they took selfies, and they said, wow, this is, you know, the hall of, the halls of justice, if you will. This is where it's all done. And then they walked out again. So many of those people have been arrested. And I wonder how many of those people who were in D.C. that day who were just about to follow the crowd in, who stopped and said, eh, I better not. I don't know what's going on in there. What they think today. That there but for the grace of God go them. They could be the ones sitting or among those sitting in those decrepit conditions um, right now where they are being used as political pawns and as political uh, prisoners to try to scare the, the, you know, the, you know, what's out of, um, you know, Americans, conservative Americans in particular, don't ever, ever try to cross us again. This is what we do to those who try to cross us. Now, there are people, as I said to Jim Jordan, there are violent, repeat offenders who are running around on our city streets right now all over this country who have been given bail or no cash bail. They've been able to post bond or they were given no cash bail and just told to return uh, for their trials. And we're talking about people who have committed violent crimes. But then people in Washington... They were part of the so-called insurrection, and even if they didn't insurrect anything, even if they didn't lift a finger against anybody, but they were just in the crowd, they got swooped up. And they're the ones who aren't allowed out, aren't allowed the, uh, the constitutional right to a speedy trial. I'm going to give you something, because now I'm off on a tangent, and I apologize. I'll come back to where we were in a moment, and I'll take your phone calls again. But I want to share something with you that just it makes me so angry I can't even begin to, to describe this. Um, because I've been made aware of some things. I've got some people and some places that give me some information, and I'll leave it at that. There's a case on the uh, public docket right now in the city of Cleveland, and uh, there's a suspect whose name is Dontrell Stewart, who is facing charges in Deborah, uh, in a Judge Deborah Turner's court. He's facing charges for Aggravated murder, murder, another murder, felonious assault, another charge of felonious assault, and having weapons while under disability. Let me say those again. He's facing aggravated murder, murder, a second count of murder, felonious assault, a second count of felonious assault, and having weapons under disability. Okay? This is in Judge Deborah Turner's court. I can also tell you that he's free right now. He's free. He is not under house arrest. He's nothing. He's walking around right now on a $5,000 bond. $5,000. That's it. When you're held for a murder charge, you should be held with a bond that you probably cannot pay because the point is they don't want you, A, fleeing, or B, committing more crimes, perhaps against witnesses 
that are going to be material to your own trial that is upcoming. Now, this is a guy with a a, a known felon, a, a, a known member of a, of a gang. Um, he's been convicted in previous cases on felonies. He's now charged with two murders, and he's walking around on a $5,000 bond. Witnesses are at risk. Victims' families are at risk. And, and, and this guy is out there free because this judge, Deborah Turner, doesn't want to make the bond too high because that might be, I don't know, racist. Because it's all about equity. The number of the people in the jail has to be equitable. And if there's a disproportionate number of crimes being committed by one race or another race or one demographic or another demographic, we have to stop that. We have to, we can't let that, let that be reflected in the numbers. So they have these low cash or, I'm sorry, these low bond or no cash bails, uh, uh sent, uh, uh, handed down. And these people are out free. Now somebody tell me, how is that person free and somebody who walked into the Capitol? during the quote-unquote insurrection, which was indeed a protest that did indeed get out of control and become a riot scene, at least in part of the Capitol, not on the other side of the Capitol where a lot of innocent, peaceful people just walked in because they were essentially had the door held open for them. But these people are being locked up for two straight years. No bail, no bond, no access to the outside world at all. They are being used. They are being used as tools to, to scare the bejeebers out of every single conservative-minded individual, every Trump supporter, every MAGA member, that this is what happens when you cross us. So this is incredible. And I wasn't even going to talk about that story in Cleveland because there's a ton of them like that in Cleveland and all around the country. But that's an example of just how unfair the criminal justice system really is. A lot of people think it's unfair and that it's biased against certain parts of the population like minorities. It's not. It is about politics by the radical DAs and the radical judges like Turner. Uh, BJ is in North Olmstead. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Thank you, Bob. We have Columbus Day and Halloween coming up and my birthday, which I'm very happy to have again, hopefully very soon. All should be national holidays. <laughs> I'll, be going, I'll be going into my 92nd year. Isn't that remarkable? Well, you, you know what, I, BJ? I've said, these, I've said this to you before. You're, you're like a guy who doesn't age. I mean, seriously, you, no one would know that if you didn't say that when you called in. You sound vital. You sound you know, vigorous. You sound strong and healthy. I mean, it's honest to goodness. You're, you're going to be 92, and you sound so much more... Um, not just lucid, but you sound so much more articulate, so much more thoughtful, so much more, uh, you know, understanding than the president of the United States, who's just pushing up on eighty. He's pushing up on eighty, and you sound so much better than he does. So, I mean, God bless you, and 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 and, and happy early birthday to you, my friend. Thank you so much. But I do work out every day at the uh, uh, senior center on the machines and all that. Also, as a clue, I'd like to share with you that it's my attitude. I've enjoyed the gift of life and the opportunity to have done the things I did, serving in our military during the Korean War as a medic and having a business at one time. But my, the gift of life, I've enjoyed the gift of life that uh, I was given, and I appreciate it very much. 
One of the sad things that's going on, though, and you mentioned a few of them currently, is that we're having the, the politicians now going after each other. It's kind of sad to see that they're more on the attack of each other's personalities than on what they really truly want to do. And the things that they claim they want to do just rarely get done. They've been doing that for years politically. And it's a sadness to see that this country can't come together. Ironically, one of the happiest periods of time that I recall in this country was during World War II, when the Americans really cared about each other, cared about their soldiers that were out in, in combat and all these other things. It was a very, very different time. There was more love shown in America to each other and the caring about our GIs than I've ever seen before. And I hope that the young people could see something like that, not with the war, but at least see the coming together and the caring about each other. It's a real tragedy what's going on with these judges releasing people that are going out and killing other people and seeing it demonstrated, the violence against people. And, and I hope there's not going to be a race war because when I see these black young men going after white people like it's hunting season, is very disturbing. There has to be a true awakening of the American public, and the political system could really make a change if they start to talk openly and honestly with each other and not with anger and hostility. And I thank you for your time, and God bless the audience, and God bless America on Columbus thank, Day. Thank you, BJ. I appreciate the call, and I appreciate your sentiments there. And God forbid there ever be a race war. I don't want any kind of war. I don't want a civil war. I don't want a race war. I don't want any kind of war. Among the American people, we can debate, we can disagree, we can, you know, fight, hopefully not physically, but verbally. And, uh, you know, and that's the way it has to be. The, uh, you know, the, the battle of ideas need to be, needs to be fought with words, not with fists and certainly not with knives and certainly not with guns. But sadly, you're right. Um, social media pages are just filled with examples of what you're talking about, particularly in the biggest cities that are particularly the blue cities, the ones that have the far-left, soft-on-crime, defund-the-police policies. They have the soft-on-crime DAs, prosecutors. They have the soft-on-crime judges. And yes, the reality is those urban centers are majority-minority, if that makes sense. And the overwhelming number of those violent crimes are being committed by minorities. And this is the part we're not allowed to say out loud. But the reality is the reality, and the statistics bear this out. While it's true that the overwhelming majority of violent crimes are committed within the same race, they're intraracial, meaning the majority of black people victimize other black people. Let me rephrase. The majority of black criminals victimize black victims. And the majority of white criminals victimize white victims right that's that's overwhelming the numbers are very very clear on that but when the the races cross over when there is interracial crime not within the same race but across racial lines the number of violent crimes committed by african americans against whites overwhelmingly dwarfs the number of crimes committed by whites against African Americans. And those aren't talk show talking points. Those are FBI federal crime statistics. And in these soft on crime cities in which equity is 
valued above all? In which D.I.E. runs the show, diversity, inclusion, and equity, and that means in the criminal justice system and the number of people being arrested, the number of people being stopped, the number of people being jailed, the number of people being held on high bonds. In this era, it has only encouraged and increased the amount of black crime on white victims. We're not supposed to say that out loud. We're not allowed to because, shh, you racist. But statistics are not racist. They have no motive. They have no feelings. They have no identities. They have no personal biases. Statistics are just numbers. And the numbers don't lie. Thank you for that call, BJ. We'll be back. Okay, 1057, let's get another call in before the top of the hour, and that's going to be Jenny calling from Illyria. Jenny, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I sent an email to Jim Jordan regarding this executive order, 14067, paragraph 4, regarding a digital currency. I'm waiting for his response. I guess our current president has signed that bill. He signed it on March the 9th, and it's to end on December the 31st. I told Jim Jordan that 50% of the people at a local supermarket pay cash for their food. And I also shared with him that I will not be voting for Mike DeWine, Gail Manning, or Nathan Manning. I think we need to get these career politicians out of Ohio. Well, Jenny, I'll respond to a couple of those things, and thank you so much for the phone call. Uh, with respect to reaching out to Jim Jordan, that's a good thing to do. I know his staff is very diligent in trying to read everybody's. They cannot get back to everybody, depending on what the request is. But I know they're very uh, uh, diligent in that regard. I got to visit and meet a lot of his staffers when I was in D.C. a couple of weeks back. Um, so that's good. Keep doing that. And I am very concerned about the idea of being a cashless society. We've talked about that before, and we'll talk about it again. As for the... Um, uh, Mike DeWine thing, I am with you, and if you don't like your current leadership, I don't blame you at all. Don't vi- don't vote for it, but just be very, very careful. Look at what the alternative situation could be. I am looking at it very carefully with Mike DeWine, and I'm not going to support him. I'm not going to vote for him. not going to vote for his opponent either, but I feel like I'm okay in the reason that I'm doing that because I've researched what the ramifications would be. I hope everybody else does too. 1059, right back after the news on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I 
have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Our number three is underway on this Monday. It's nine minutes after 11. Tenth, excuse me, tenth morning of the tenth month, the year of our Lord, 2022. If you're on hold, hang with me. We're going to get right back to you. In fact, I may take a couple of phone calls before I do the videos slash audio that I want you to hear, because I do have some important stuff. Uh, I'm not done on Columbus Day, and I'm not done letting you uh, hear Michael Knowles just destroy the social justice warriors, in this case from Notre Dame, who want to cancel Christopher Columbus instead of celebrate his greatness and uh, that which he made great, which is uh, this country. He made it great because he discovered it. He got here. He brought, you know, uh, European uh, culture to, to the West. He brought it. And Western civilization would not exist as we know it today, including the greatest force for good in the history of humankind, uh, if it were not for Christopher Columbus discovering the Bahamas as we know them now. And leading on, of course, into, uh, you know, the, the, the North American, uh, territory, uh, continent. So it's just such an extraordinary thing. I'm going to play more of that and I'm going to play a follow up to that about presentism because it's so important because of what we're doing to our kids. We're teaching kids alternative histories rather than real history. And on a day like this, on Columbus Day, when everybody wants to cancel him and the left is all over Twitter and oh, Columbus, it's about indigenous peoples, indigenous peoples day. Look what they've done. Really? I think uh, I think it's worth exploring. You know, kind of like Columbus did when he was... He say, there were no GPSs. There was no GPS on the Nina, the Pinta, or the Santa Maria. No, he was going by, as Michael Knowles said, a compass and the stars. And he was going west, and there was nothing but water. And nothing but water. For weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, more water and nothing else. Did he get terrified? Did he turn around? No, he was convinced he would be able to find and continue westward to find land and and to essentially discover a new world. And he was right. And because he was right, we are all here right now. Being great. Being great. That's exactly what this country does so well. I'm going to get back to that. But first, let's go back to the phones. We're going to talk to TJ in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, hello, Bob. Yes, sir. You know, over the weekend, we just buried my 30-year-old nephew, and he was found in his bedroom, clutching his chest, what I say is a, appears to be a heart attack. Now, he had no known medical problems or anything, and his foster father had the same questions I did. Was this a reaction to the COVID shots? And I guess when he did question it, he was told that doctors cannot say anything about possible reactions or suffer severe consequences. Now, so far yet, there has been no report, you know, on the autopsy. So all of this is just speculation. But when a 30-year-old without medical conditions just drops dead like that, you have to question this. Well, you're right, of course, TJ, uh, and I'm very sorry for the loss of your nephew. That's that's an awful thing to hear, um, and, and I'm going to respond to this in a little, for a little bit here. So thank you for the phone call. Keep listening. 30 years old, right in the middle of 
the the story and the 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 demographic I'm about to talk about. And you're right about what the doctor said. They're not allowed to talk about this or else they're going to have serious repercussions. The Surgeon General of the state of Florida is a man named Joseph Ladapo. Surgeon General. Doctor. Expert. On Friday, he released the results of a study, uh, several studies actually, scientific evidence, along with his guidance. His guidance was this. Males between the ages of 18 and 39, just like your nephew, TJ, 30. Males between the ages of 18 and 39 should not take the mRNA vaccines, otherwise known as profit shots. Why? Because there is an 84% increased risk of cardiac-related death among those men within 28 days of taking that shot. Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo came forth with that, and he came with receipts. He came with the specific scientific studies that proved what his guidance was based on. And you know what they did to him? They canceled him. Twitter deleted his tweet and shut down his account. No way they're going to let that get out there. That's misinformation, you know, after all. He's only the Surgeon General of the state of Florida. What does that doctor know? What what do all of his scientific studies mean? Are you kidding me? We can't have Dr. Fauci look bad. We can't have uh, the, the Biden administration and the National Institute of Health and the CDC look like the clown show that they are. We can't do that. No. we got to shut this guy up. Now, fortunately, after just a whole weekend of bombardment, of complaints, they relented and they allowed the tweet to go back up and they restored Surgeon General Dr. Lopato's uh, uh, account. Ladapo, excuse me, Ladapo's account. And this is, again, to give you the specifics. The Florida Department of Health conducted an analysis through a self-controlled case series which is a technique originally developed to evaluate vaccine safety. This studied mortality risk following mRNA COVID-19 vaccination. This analysis found there is an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 within 28 days following mRNA vaccination. Individuals with pre-existing cardiac conditions, such as myocarditis and pericarditis, should take particular caution when considering vaccination and discuss with their health care provider. As such, the Florida Department of Health has issued the following guidance. Based on currently available data, patients should be informed of the possible cardiac complications that can arise after receiving an mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. With a high level of global immunity to COVID-19, the benefit of vaccination is likely outweighed by this abnormally high risk of cardiac-related death among men in this age group. The state Surgeon General now recommends against COVID-19 mRNA vaccines for males aged 18 to 39 years old. Individuals and healthcare providers should also be aware that this analysis found that males over the age of 60 had a 10% increased risk of cardiac-related death within 28 days of mRNA vaccine, 
and non-mRNA vaccines were not found to have these increased risks among any population. So I'll stop there. But you understand the point. Your, your nephew, TJ's nephew, 30 years old, is right in the middle of that. And this is exactly why it is unconscionable and unimaginable and indefensible that there is still a mandate for anybody to take these things in any state that the federal government still has the mandate in place. You want to work here? Take the shots. The military still has the mandates in place. You want to work here and defend the country? Take the shots. Yeah, but there's an 84% chance that I'm going to die. I'm between 18 and 39. Shut up and take your shots. But the Surgeon General, shut up and take your shots. What's the matter? Are you afraid of the needle? This is what they do. We're talking about college students. Hey, I just got accepted to my favorite state university. I'm 18 years old. I'm 19 years old. I'm going into college. All right, great. Uh, here's your uh, information on your dorm. Here's the information on your student uh, financial aid package. Here's the information on your classes. Here's the information for your COVID-19 required shots. Well, I'm not going to take those. You see, there's an 84% chance that I could die, or an 84% increase in chance that I could die from a cardiac-related incident following these shots. Um, I'm, I'm going to pass on those, thank you. Get the hell off of our campus. You're not welcome here thinking about your own health. Ha! Huh. Don't you know that we need to keep you away from other people if you don't have your shot because the vaccines are proven to inoculate you and make it so you can't get COVID crap. Forgot the Pfizer CEO has COVID. Forgot the president has COVID. Forgot Fauci has COVID. Forgot Jill Biden has COVID. Forgot all of the four and five times boosted Individuals telling us that the shots work all got sick. They don't work. But you, you have to take one anyway, and I don't care what your chance of death is. I'll, I'll tell you how we deal with that. Delete. There you go. Problem solved. See? There's no, no more 84% increase in chance of death. We deleted Dr. Ladapo's account. See there? What are you talking about? That's the kind of country we're in right now, under this leadership. We have no freedom, no matter what kind of health jeopardy we are put into. That's why this election, we keep saying, is the most important in our lifetime. And I, well, we said that last said that the election before, and it was right the time before, but the stakes keep going up. And the higher the stakes go up, the more serious we need to take it. That's reality. TJ, I'm very sorry again about your nephew, but this is happening to a lot of people. Uh, Lisa is in uh, Medina. Hi, Lisa. Go ahead. Hey, happy Columbus Day. Amen. Kind of hard you to as be well. cheerful. Yeah, it's kind of hard to be cheerful though. You know, with all the heavy stuff that's going on. Oh. Um, but I really, really appreciate how you know we continue to get educated and uh, encourage the listeners to to you know take action on that's on right. you know the things that we can. Um, what a heavy time. What a heavy time. Um, 
One of the reasons I was calling in today um, is to talk about the State Board of Education. There's a deadline today, so those that are concerned and want to support Brendan Shea's resolution, the resolution to support parents, schools, and districts in rejecting harmful, um, burdensome gender identity policies, this is, you know, to um, help uh, bypass against, you know, the Title IX things that uh, Biden wants to, you know, push through. It's an important resolution, and there's still time for people to submit deadline today. Uh, the deadline is at 5 o'clock. Well, that's huge. That is very, very big, and I'm glad to hear you reminding people of that. Can you remind them where they go to submit their written testimony? Yes, yes, because usually, you know, it's at... Uh, it's at um, Sunday at 5 o'clock, but it's at Monday at 5 o'clock because the state board, because it's a federal holiday, is actually tomorrow and Wednesday. So I want everyone to be in tune with what's happening uh, there. So they can go to the Ohio Department of Education, well, actually the, the Ohio, yeah, Ohio Department of Education website. Um, they can search that, and uh, they can... Um, find the information on the meeting you scroll all the way down and you click where it's uh where it goes to the state board information but you can submit written testimony today and it doesn't have to be long it can be any amount uh you know a paragraph or so to the state board of uh let's say it's the email address is sboe at education.ohio.gov but again, uh, if you search, it's it's on there. But also, a lot of us are on different email lists, like the Ohio Value Voters, maybe McFan, and some of the others. A lot of this is right there where you can click on it. But if if you're not on one of those, you would have to go to the website. And uh, the the meeting starts at eight o'clock on Tuesday, and again on Wednesday. It starts at eight o'clock. It can be viewed live on the Ohio Channel. And I'll tell you, you really have to see it to believe it. And there will be uh, people giving testimony on Wednesday starting at around 1 o'clock. And we also encourage people to, to go to Columbus. But I realize a lot of people can't go to Columbus. Um, I may or may not be able to go myself. But right now, we can still give testimony until 5 o'clock. That, becomes, uh, that goes right into the board books so that the public and the State Board of Education can see your testimony. And, and I would start right off the bat saying, hey, I support Brendan Shea's resolution. They uh, cut the testimony time down to three minutes, did they not? That, that's, that's, yes. Mm-hmm. Just wanted, yeah, I just want people to be prepared. If you are able to go down and give testimony, uh, you know, verbal testimony, as Lisa's talking about right now, prepare your remarks so you don't stand there and stammer. Uh, prepare your remarks, time it out however long, and know that you have three minutes. Because what we need this time around, Lisa, you uh, gave me a pretty good uh, play-by-play last meeting in which we were outnumbered. When I say we, I'm talking about those who, uh, you know, oppose the Title IX changes and the uh, the discrimination against girls, uh, and, uh, you know, actual girls uh, on the basis of this new uh, uh, this new uh, these new orders by the Federal Department of Education. Uh, we were outnumbered, some forty three to eleven oh, or twelve four, or something like that. Yeah, it was it was four to one. 
It was yeah. four to one, uh, you know, kind of lefties um, giving testimony. And so that's why it's so important to get our, our emails out. I, I looked at the board books today, and so they're submitting them as they come in. There's over 90 at this time right now. But, of course, I didn't have time to click and look, you know, how many were for and how many were against the resolution. And some could be for a, uh, another issue, but I would guess 95% is actually on this issue. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's so very important. I'm so glad you called to remind everybody to get the uh, written testimony in if you can, and if you uh, can make it down and actually get in line and are willing to give verbal testimony as well in support to this resolution. It's so important for our kids, for our schools, uh, as we continue to fight for you know the to to stop the overt sexual sexualization of kids and to stop the discrimination against actual girls uh, by people in Indeed. a different uh, different community with a different agenda. Lisa, thank you so much. Yes. I appreciate everything that you do. Keep us posted, okay? Oh, thank you. Yes, I will. Thank, thank you, Lisa. You. My God pleasure. Bless. All right, it's eleven twenty-five. We'll take a time out right here on Always Right Radio AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Okay, let's squeeze in one more before the bottom. We'll go to uh, Brexville next. Steve, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning, Bob. Yeah, real quick, uh, a point that most people don't consider when they're talking about Columbus and what a bad guy he is supposed to be is the whole history of mankind is one of exploration expansion and conquest and whether we're talking about the vikings coming out of denmark into europe or the huns and the mongols out of asia into europe or the visigoths into from germany into rome or the incas and the aztecs even most people don't realize that what we call modern indigenous american indians they weren't the first American Indians here. There were other tribes that were here first that they displaced. So my point is, when when and where do you want to get indignant, and why pick Columbus? Why not pick on something else? Because the fact of the matter is, this is what humans do. This is the history of from the time we came out of Africa, this is the nature of humans. We explore, we expand, we conquest, and you know, yeah. people don't realize that. There is not so, one patch is, of land on the earth that I'm aware of that wasn't uh, fought for and won. Uh, exactly. that, that it's literally had to survive challenges. People tried to expand their own territories and others, sometimes successful, and they win, sometimes not, and they're driven back, and the land remains the same. But, but yes, lands are, are including ours, including ours. And, and uh, you're exactly. right, that is the nature of human expansion and exploration. And, uh, and again, we, we cannot, and thank you for the call. We cannot diminish the accomplishments of the bold men like Christopher Columbus who gave us this civilization. We'll be back. Take Bob on the go by downloading the WHK radio app on the Google Play Store. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. Okay, it's eleven thirty-eight. I want to. Uh, I, I promised I wanted to get one. I told. I played you the the Michael Knowles Prager U video, the five minute uh, explanation of the uh, greatness of Christopher Columbus on this Columbus Day. But I told you what's even better sometimes is that he travels from campus to campus and um, educates these little smart aleck SJW social justice warriors and tells them the truth about what history really says. Here he is at Notre Dame. 
for some reason we are on mute. Hold on again. We'll try that again here. Notre Dame. Okay. In his journal, he says, quote, Let us in the name of the Holy Trinity go on sending all the slaves that can be sold. He also says, quote, The Indians are so naive. I will bring as much gold and slaves as you need. That actually was not in his journal. That was to the court in Madrid. I assume it wasn't in his journal because he would be writing to himself. Right. So you're saying Christopher Columbus uh, uh, agreed in a letter to his bosses who were funding his voyage that he would fulfill the terms of his voyage? That's what you're saying? This um, is some shock. There's, there's two parts to it. The first one was from his journal where he quite literally said, let us in the name of the Holy Trinity go on sending all the slaves. The second one was to the court in Madrid appeasing them saying, yes, let's go get all these slaves. Well, you, you mentioned in the name of the Holy Trinity, uh, uh, Christopher Columbus baptized many natives. He did it personally. And he obviously was bringing the faith to the new world. You're at a Catholic university. If you believe that the faith is true and good and beautiful, as I do, as all Christians ought to do, then that's a wonderful thing to spread the gospel to people who have never heard it before. I think you misheard the quote. The, the last part of the quote I don't think the I misheard important. the quote, but you go can repeat on, it if you like. In the name of the Holy Trinity, what should yes. we do in that name? Go on sending all the slaves that can be sold. All the, so he sent slaves to the New World. That is true. That, or back to Spain. That is true. That was part of the deal. And if you listen to my lecture, I'm not sure. I, I heard your question, but I'm not sure you heard my lecture. He agreed to the uh, encomienda system as a political concession because he was outfoxed by a local mayor named Roldan. This was the cause of much of his consternation in the New World. It's the reason that uh, Bobadilla was able to take over and usurp control from him in the West Indies. This is a political reality. This is not a beautiful thing. It's a terrible thing. Slavery is an awful thing. None of us disagrees with that. But for us now, as people who have benefited, all people of the whole world who have benefited from the greatest uh, country, the most profitable, the most charitable, the most equitable, the most just, the one that allows you to stand there and ask me that question, for us to spit on that man who made all of it possible because he made some moral concessions in order to take the most ambitious voyage at that time in the history of man is so bizarrely ungrateful. It is so ignorant of historical and political realities as to be naive and sophomoric. Um, well, I, my question was, how can you justify calling him a hero? I agree I've just justified it. That's my explanation. That was, that I think that you're standing on the shoulders of giants and you think that you're flying, but you're not. We are dwarfs standing on the shoulders of that great man, and we spit down on him in our ingratitude. How pathetic. I just, uh, I like to share that on Columbus Day. I do, particularly as they, again, I, I told you the uh, story earlier on. A friend of mine sent me the, the, a, a link to a, a website that, that called today's holiday Indigenous Peoples Day. And then in par- parenthetically, it said, sometimes referred to as Columbus Day, as if Columbus Day has been erased and replaced by Indigenous Peoples Day. You know, only in the mind of ignorant people is Indigenous Peoples Day a thing. It's not a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. Uh, it's not an, it shouldn't be a federal holiday. But Christopher Columbus creating all of the good that we have to celebrate in this country, that man should indeed continue to get his holiday. And anybody thinking of pulling down his statue or his name off of a school or his name off of a city or whatever, honestly, these people are just complete. You know what you are? You are the reason we are so concerned about the future of our public schools because you are literally denying actual history and replacing it with your made-up history to make you feel good through the the um, 
through the prism of uh, of uh, of presentism. I know that sounds a little weird, but through the prism of presentism, and this is what people do: they try to judge. And I don't have time to play the whole Bill Maher rant that I wanted to, but they try to judge um, past figures and events and issues and moments in real American and world history and judge it all through the eyes of the present. And you know what Bill Maher says, if I had more time to play it, I would. He points out, that would be like you going back and being furious with your 10-year-old self because you didn't know then everything that you know now. You can't judge your 10-year-old self based on what you didn't know at that time. That's, have you ever said that to yourself? Man, if I only knew then what I wanted or some other culture at some point in time. That, that's reality. And in this particular time, and in the particular time we talk about when we talk about the uh, uh, transatlantic slave trade, yes, there were indeed African slaves. And there were also, wait for it, African slave owners. African slave traders and African slave catchers. That's right. Black people capturing other black people and then selling them to white people and other black people. It's a pretty messed up time. And you know what we cannot do? We cannot judge all of that based on what we know today. That's it. That's all the time that I've got. Thanks to Jim Jordan, who is my guest. Thanks to Johnny, who's back from vacation. Thanks to Marianne. Uh, thanks to you for listening. Hope you have a great day. Uh, Peter Kirsten now joins us tomorrow. We'll see you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.